This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. primary hunger is not for objects or the experiences they can provide, but for bliss and freedom. Valeria Tellez interviews Belinda Gore, the author of The Ecstatic Experience, Healing Postures for Spirit Journeys. As a psychologist with graduate degrees in counseling psychology and in public administration, Belinda's career has covered a private practice in psychotherapy, working as a leadership consultant, and teaching executive and life coaching. When she met anthropologist Felicitas Goodman in 1984, she was introduced to the artwork and religious worldview of indigenous people around the world. Through Dr. Goodman's student, friend, and colleague, she learned to use ritual ancient postures from that art to restore a fundamental human capacity for experiencing invisible world of spirit. For many years, she served as vice president, then president, of the Kuyamunge Institute, founded by Dr. Goodman. Her books, Ancient Ritual Postures, Two Friends Press 2020, The Ecstatic Experience, Healing Postures for Spirit Journeys, Bear and Company 2009, and Ecstatic Body Postures, an alternate reality workbook, Bear and Company 1995, are essential materials for learning the practice of ritual postures. They are the foundation for the workshops she has been teaching internationally for the past 30 years. The books have been translated into German, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, and Polish. Her study of Jungian psychology began in college, and she became a member of the Young Association of Central Ohio from its inception in 1990. For decades, she taught dream work as professional education for psychotherapists and general techniques for the general public. Dream work was the basis for early exploration in expressive arts, with an emphasis on collage as well as mask-making and dance. Currently, she teaches coaching based on the Enneagram system of personality typology and spiritual development, while continuing to explore various process media as an artist and write about ritual postures, the Enneagram, and the spiritual journey. Meet Belinda at belindagore.com. Here is the interview with Belinda Gore. In your 
your own words, who is Dr. Belinda Gore? Well, what an interesting question. To uh, ask myself who I am is an ongoing spiritual question, you know, uh, in meditation to inquire, who am I really? And the answer to that question keeps changing. As I keep evolving in my own work, I'm nearly 72 years old now, and I've been through a number of chapters in my life, and I could spend our whole time answering just this question. So um, maybe what I've said might lead to a next question from you. Yes, um, the healing. Healing is something that we talk about a lot. I talk a lot about with everyone that I am in contact with. What is healing, and is healing a destination? Mm, interesting. Well, when I teach about healing in terms of ancient ritual postures, I speak about the fact that in English, at least, healing, health, wholeness, and holiness all come from the same root words. And so I think of healing as what we do to allow our bodies, minds, souls, psyches to become increasingly whole. And that requires us to find balance. And the more we grow, the more we find a new balance based on the growth we've experienced. So for me, healing is an ongoing proposition for us. Um, I can speak about healing in the body, but I'm a psychologist and a teacher, and I don't consider myself a physical healer, but I think we draw from the earth to heal our bodies. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wanted to ask you the question about wholeness and balance. How do we know when we are there? What are the signs Mm -hmm. Usually, we know when we're out of balance, you know, <laughs> that we yeah. don't feel good, um, we get clumsy, we can't find the words we need. For me, when I'm growing, inside I can sense that my heart and my belly are swirling around. I'm trying to find a new balance. But we always cultivate the center. And so when we're feeling out of balance, we go to the center, we breathe into the center for hours or days or even weeks until we get the guidance we need to move into the next iteration, the next expansion of our being. And that may come through talking with people or journaling or doing ritual. There are a number of ways that we can find that ongoing balance, but it's very much like the concept of homeostasis in which our physical bodies continue to change, but we find an ongoing balance that means we're healthy in the midst of the change. Yeah, I like that, Belinda, about knowing when we are not in the center, <laughs> when we are yes. not in that wholeness state. Another word that you use 
Um, in your book, you say, I, I think your biography really, it says that your focus is teaching and guiding practices for living the awakened life. Mm -hmm. So would that be the same, the awakened life, the balanced life, the state of healing kind of life? When I speak about awakened, it is that we become aware of the fact that we are more than our personalities. We become aware of the fact that there is more to life than the early programming perhaps we received or our early ideas even of who we are and what life is about. And when we come to understand that who we are is part of something much larger and that our personalities and our bodies are the vehicles through which we interact with the larger reality. And so we continue then to, uh, we can wake up more and more, but being asleep means that we don't recognize ourselves as part of this larger magnificent creation. So in a way, only the spirit exists. And you mentioned that in your book, you say, I have the line here, everything is spirit. And so mm -hmm. there is no journey, really. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, because we are already spirit. We're not going to become spirit. If the journey, if we want to speak of it that way, is to increasingly open to what we already are. What is the purpose of that consciousness being awakened, being aware, let's say, maybe not awakened, but aware in a human body. I love some of the indigenous stories. Um, and I guess even perhaps after indigenous people, but that the creator in whatever name or form we want to speak about the creator or source can't know itself. Mm, right. uh, sometimes in a more anthropomorphic way of saying it, that God got lonely <laughs> or that uh, in the midst of the darkness, the spark wanted to know itself. And so this journey of consciousness seems to be the way in which we human beings who are conscious in a way different from other creatures on the earth have the capacity to know ourselves and through knowing ourselves that which made us knows itself and that we become continually um, able to mirror the magnificence and to explore the vastness of what creation is all about. Now, your earlier question is, so how is it that we come into the world, you know, and we think we're these little people and we have a name and, you know, we have our lives sort of planned out for us. But it's that we have to grow a body and a psyche that's capable of this level of consciousness. And so 
my cat is sitting here beside me, <laughs> and she has a wonderful little presence about her, but she isn't conscious in the way that we're talking about. She doesn't have self-reflective abilities. And our capacity for knowing ourselves and then opening to awareness of that which is larger than ourselves, we have to develop that. And so the developmental journey from infancy to um, at some point in adulthood um, is necessary for growing the vehicle so that we become capable then of the next step. And some of us actually grow into this vehicle, as you call it, but we don't become aware. And I wonder mm -hmm. why that happens to, for some of us, that we ended mm -hmm. up losing the body without realizing who mm -hmm. we are. Um, I am not sure even how I think about reincarnation. I think it's been spoken of too simplistically. But in many traditions, it is said that not all souls go on. And some souls are young souls here. And not only does it take time in this life, in this physical body, but it may take a number of lifetimes before we cultivate the capacity for subtle awareness. And it, it's true, I think, how can there be so many people who aren't awake? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But that's apparently how it is right now. So it's a part of the mystery, right, Belinda? Yes. I like the idea that Earth is a school. You know, we come here to learn. And if we think about even uh, kindergarten through 12th grade, um, if some people are in third grade, well, that's what they're here to do. And they're learning the lessons. And if we're in the 11th or 12th grade, it's not that we're putting down third graders, but we have our own curriculum to be attending to. Talk to me for a moment about spirituality. What is it to you? And how is spirituality different from religion? Mm. Well, spirituality, I think, is the internal experience of knowing that we're part of something larger than ourselves, that than our independent personalness. And religion is a dogma which can be more or less dogmatic, but it's it's a pre-existing structure that tells us who we are and what the larger reality is about and what practices we should do. And there are so many religions, but it seems that currently in the evolution of human beings on planet Earth, there is more and more desire to have a personal experience. And so the challenge then is how to have a teaching and guidance, a teacher, without relying on old structures that are no longer meaningful for us, no longer valid for us, but may have been 500 years ago. I don't know. But our job is to be <laughs> attentive to what allows us to expand in our consciousness and our ability to be part of that larger being. 
Yes, and I agree a thousand percent. You wrote the book, The Ecstatic Experience, Healing Postures for Spirit Journeys. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing this book? I became a writer because I needed to be able to organize and convey my experiences on my spiritual journey. Now, I've always enjoyed reading and some writing. I was writing poetry when I was 12, you know, and I'd go off to the woods and and write poetry. But The Ecstatic Experience is the second of my books. The first one was Ecstatic Body Postures, an alternate reality workbook. And I learned Ancient Ritual Postures, which is the title of my third book, Um, I learned about ritual postures from Felicitas Goodman, who was an anthropologist and my teacher. And I think it's very curious that in my spiritual journey has taken me back to the artifacts of indigenous people from as long ago as 40,000 years ago that we see that people created imagery that seemed to be, uh, in the image itself, a guidebook for how to utilize our bodies to activate a capacity to interact with the non-material world, with the spirit world. We're naturally capable of doing that. And by Felicitas Goodman, discovered that the postures help to mediate experiences of non-ordinary reality. And so I began, I met her about in about this time of year in 1984. So I've been doing this for 36 years. And uh, her writing was more academic than mine. She was brilliant and a scholar. And um, so I wrote my first book in an attempt to make some of these teachings more accessible to everyday readers. So The Ecstatic Experience is the second book that I wrote 12 years after the first one, at which time I really understood the practice better. And now I'm this many years later and, and I've written ancient ritual postures, which includes oracle cards using uh, some of the postures and artwork that I uh, created. Yeah, I have uh, some of the postures here in your book. I'll be asking you a question or two about them. And perhaps Mm -hmm. we can talk in depth about one of these postures or two. You wrote something, your book, you said something interesting. Say, our primary hunger is not for objects, or the experiences they can provide, but for bliss and freedom. Mm, Yes. So freedom, that word, what's the meaning of freedom to you, Belinda? Mm, mm. Freedom to me means to be liberated from the restrictions of our personality structures, our ego structures that cause us to experience rage and fear 
and shame and all the other emotions that constellate around those basic feelings that the ego knows that it's not the final version of who we are. And really attempts, I think, our our personalities attempt to be the final version. And yet we, we can't settle, we can't relax into approaching our lives moment by moment, trusting that life is unfolding and we have the capacity to meet it moment by moment. So instead, we think we need to plan or we worry about what we've done and was it the right thing? And that's what we become free of. Do you think it's possible to become fearless? Well, fear as a primary emotional experience is designed to help us recognize when we're in danger. And so... I want to retain my ability to be cautious (laughs) if I'm walking on the ice or, (laughs) you know, things that could truly uh, jeopardize my well-being. I want to have the ability to be alert in that way, but to brood upon things from the past or really if we talk about worry and anxiety rather than fear. Can we become anxiety-less? Pretty much. Yes, I think we can. But it takes a great deal of trust in the, the beneficence of the universe, that indeed that the universe is made of love, and we can trust that. This idea of love, again, we all have our own understandings that most most often than not comes from the, the ego, what love is. So how would you describe this kind of love, universal love? I would say that it is a, a foundational belief that goodness underlies everything. And so if the universe is made of love, then my experience of love is to align with that goodness. And... Um, it sounds to me and it, it feels that once we have a deeper understanding of who we are and we kind of have let go of the personality, then this kind of love arises, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. And in a way, it arises almost naturally. We yeah. don't have to right. force it right. because if indeed this is what everything's made of, <laughs> yeah. Or, or it's one version of experiencing what everything's made of, then as we drop our shields and our armor, it's as natural as the breeze blowing in our faces. Yeah, I love that too. So it's love, it's actually a natural arising. It's not yes. something that we search for and pursue and try yes. hard. Yeah, to... Really what we're pursuing is how do we work with the obstacles, Mm. you know, that prevent me from trusting the goodness so that I'm, I'm not just being naively open to everything. I'm paying attention, but I'm trusting that underneath everything, there is a, a movement toward greater goodness. 
all the time. So even in these days of the pandemic, many people talk about silver linings, and that doesn't diminish the suffering that a lot of people are experiencing. But to identify only with the suffering can keep us from understanding that this is also a time of great opportunity. And so there is an underlying goodness that uses whatever is available to help us move through our obstacles. You said healing postures are not the same as curing. Yes. Talk to me about that, Belinda. People look for cures as the elimination of symptoms, and healing is the elimination of the cause of the symptoms. So in the usual ways we talk about it, we don't just want to put a Band-Aid over a problem. We want to find out what's causing it, which requires us to deal with what are the obstacles, what are the obstructions, and if let's say I have a bullet in my leg, a Band-Aid isn't going to help me. And it's going to be painful and bloody to get the bullet out. But that's what has to happen before my body can then heal itself. The question let me see, that came to mind is about healing the cause, but still having the symptoms. Does it sometimes happen? Of course, yes. It's not that I, I've heard people talk about being grateful sometimes for the symptoms. Some years ago, several years ago, my husband had cancer and um, after 13 months, he died. And we started out with some treatments. The treatments were pretty horrible. And when he had a recurrence, he said, I don't want the treatments. I want to be able to die enjoying my life instead of miserable. And so healing doesn't mean that we're going to live forever and that we're not going to have pain. Healing means that we find balance. And the last months of his life were amazing. Um, it was my the biggest spiritual experience of my life to go the, through that with him. That makes me think about inner peace and deep acceptance, surrender. Right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I I really believe that. Uh, you know the the saying about uh, having the serenity to accept what we can't change and the courage to change what we can. And of course, the discernment, or as they say, the wisdom to know the difference. And so often we get an idea of what we think we want, and there's nothing wrong with having a vision and pursuing a vision, but we have to recognize that there are things that we can't change, but we can change how we approach it so that we learn from it and experience freedom. We can have joy even in the midst of pain. So we're almost at the end, and I would love to talk to you. Will you talk to me as about the, how to use those ritual postures? The book has so many. How do we choose them, Belinda, and how do we use these postures? 
the postures are organized into categories that help us understand the kinds of experiences they facilitate. Really, it's using our bodies and uh, breath and the sound of a rattle, but holding a posture in a ritual context so that we through the sound of the rattle, cue the nervous system to open up to perceive um, the non-ordinary or alternate reality, as Felicitas called it. And this is a tradition that goes back as long as humans have been, you know, 40,000 years or more, that we're capable of interacting with spirit, with the spirits, with the spirit world. I don't mean the spirits of people who've died, but the uh, beings of consciousness that exist at every level of creation. And we can choose healing, for instance. I always believe it's a good place to begin so that people find balance and recognize that healing energy can flow through us to heal us, and sometimes we can direct it to other people. It's an energetic experience that we have in the physical body. And Felicitas uh, observed people learning how to go into the what she called the religious altered state of consciousness. Her original research was in speaking in tongues, which is a, a very different context than what we're doing with the ritual postures so that we can uh, become familiar with shifting our conscious awareness and come to accept, embrace, and learn from the spirits that have been around humanity since we've been here. I would love to try one of these. I know I, I made some notes here, but not sure how to choose them, which one to begin with. I usually tell people to just go through a book and find a few that really speak to you. It's easier to start with healing. Uh, divination is for asking questions, and sometimes that's also a good place to begin because it lets our minds work. Metamorphosis is a very traditional experience of opening to being or becoming uh, the animal spirit that has been coming close to you to help you heal or to bring healing and balance. Spirit journeys are the traditional moving up and down the tree of the world to the sky world, to the spirit counterpart of our world, and to the underworld where the animal spirits live. And then finally, initiation postures are for learning the mysteries of death and rebirth. And so it's what our intention is helps guide how we choose which one. But I made the deck of oracle cards. There are 52 cards, uh, two ritual cards, and then one uh, 10 for each of the five suits. And I suggest that people just shuffle and pick a card, that sometimes that even can be a way for us to feel into what calls to us. So we're almost at the end. I have some a few final ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book? Well, to add anything, I can go on and on. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and right. So, <laughs> um, 
I um, I wanted to say to you that um, I would be glad to have you join uh, groups. I've been doing the ritual online of all things, which I never thought would be possible. But of course, none of us around the world are able to travel and be together in groups. And so there are teachers of this method, um, in addition to myself around the world, who are having groups uh, using the ritual context, which is setting ritual space, calling the spirits, doing a breath exercise to center and focus, and then using a posture with rattling or drumming as the auditory accompaniment for 15 minutes to open to the alternate reality, have an experience, and close it simply by ending the sounding of the rattle and getting out of the posture. It's so easy that sometimes people don't believe it's really possible. And now we're discovering we can even do it in groups online, which totally amazes me. So... Everything's possible, yeah. Yeah, it's true. So that's a, a great idea. Do you have a link that you can send me? I'll have within the podcast profile, your podcast mm-hmm. profile, have the website and also the link to join the group if you have one. I will make a particular link possible, um, but people can email me. And it's um, easy. It's Belinda at BelindaGore.com. So, uh, and that's the website, of course, is BelindaGore.com, which also gives an opportunity to contact me through the website. So I'm easy to reach. If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Mm, It's a great question. And I've used this with lots of clients and groups. (laughs) And I try to live my life so that when it's time for me to transition out of the body, I know that I've lived as fully as I'm capable. In fact, the the real issue for me, Valeria, is that I get impatient (laughs) because (laughs) there are loads of things that I want to do. (laughs) Uh, But I am trying to live my life so that if I were to die tomorrow, I know that I've shown up and welcomed what life had to offer me. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Mm, That I know for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know that there are limitless possibilities. I know that we're here to do this journey together and that we continually learn from each other. And I know about life that we're intended to experience joy. And that doesn't mean there won't be pain and challenges, but that we're we're here to embrace and enjoy what is available. So thank you for your beautiful, awakened presence. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for the wisdom you share. Thank you for everything, Belinda. It's lovely talking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, we'll talk again soon. 
For sure. Great. Bye for now. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Belinda Gore and her work, please visit BelindaGore.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.